Angie's going to uh, do a Bible reading in a moment, but let's just pray first. Let's just be quiet so that we can focus our, our hearts and our minds um, on what God wants to do amongst us this morning. Hallelujah. It's lovely that we worship and serve a personal God, one who is interested in us. But you know, life is life, and uh, Sunday mornings are no different very often to the rest of our week, and we are up to our ears in all sorts of things. And we bring that sometimes into our meeting with him, but we want just to be able to focus on Jesus this morning and his word, the Bible, and we just want to hear what he's got to say. So, Father, I pray that you might just remove right now, Lord, anything in our hearts and our minds that will be a barrier to hearing what you want to say. Lord, many of us have been Christians for many, many, many years. And Lord, we might sometimes feel that we've heard it all, we've done it all, and we've got more than one t-shirt to prove it. But Father, thank you that you always want to be saying something new and something fresh to us, that there are always rough edges of our lives to be rubbed and finally honed. Hallelujah. So Father, do that amongst us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Okay, the reading is from Exodus. Um, Joseph and his brothers had have died, and, and their families have settled in Goshen. And we're just picking up the beginning of this story. Meanwhile, their descendants were very fertile, increasing rapidly in numbers, so much so that there was a veritable population explosion, and they soon became a large nation, and they filled the land of Goshen. Then, eventually, a new pharaoh came to the throne of Egypt, He felt no obligation to these descendants of Joseph and he told his people, the Israelites are becoming dangerous to us because there are too many of them. Let's figure out a way to put an end to this. If we don't and war breaks out, they might join our enemies and fight against us and then they may escape from our country. So the Egyptians made slaves of them and put brutal taskmasters over them to wear them down with heavy burdens while they were building the stool cities of Pithon and Ramses. But the more the Egyptians mistreated and oppressed them, the more the Israelites seemed to multiply and the Egyptians became alarmed. They made the slavery more bitter still, forcing them to toil long and hard in the fields and to to carry heavy loads of mortar and of brick. Thank you very much. For the next three weeks, you're going to be looking at uh, Exodus and, and Moses. Uh, ben, um, is it you who worked out the series? Yeah, you've got a series coming up. And uh, he's asked uh, me just to look at the first in this series, um, which is called Living with the Past. Living with the Past. 
Just to give you some background to the reading that uh, Angie was uh, giving us earlier, in Genesis 12 we read about Abraham and his call by God to leave his country and go to the promised land, Canaan. I expect many of you are familiar with that story, where his descendants would become a great nation. But by the time we read Exodus chapter 1, which is where Angie was reading from, Abraham is long dead. And his grandson Jacob, along with the rest of the family, are no longer living in Canaan, they're living in Egypt. Because one of Jacob's sons, Joseph, of the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat fame, He became uh, second in command to Pharaoh. You probably know that story as well. And under Joseph's patronage, the family come back um, to live in Egypt. And the Israelites grow in number and prosper. But all that changes when Joseph dies and a new Pharaoh takes over, which is where we sort of pick up the reading. Suddenly the good times are gone. And the Israelites are unjustly forced into slavery. It's interesting, when you look in the dictionary, slavery is defined as the state or condition where a person or persons have absolute power over another and control their life. And slavery exists in many forms today. You know, most of us are aware of men, women and children in other countries who are forced to work long hours for low pay to produce goods that often we buy here in the West. Do you know, it's only, not only far away in other countries. I was reading a newspaper report uh, recently about slavery in this country and it said a sex trafficking gang has been convicted of bringing women into the UK from Eastern Europe and forcing them into slavery and prostitution. One victim was sold for £10,000 outside a branch of Primark in Glasgow. I'm sure that sort of thing doesn't happen in Sudbury but certainly it's happening in the UK. Slavery is very much alive and well in these days. It's not something that only happened in biblical times. So as it still happens in this day and age, we as Christians need wisdom to ensure that our actions, our purchases and our lifestyle do not compound the problem of slavery for other human beings. But you know, sometimes slavery is even closer to home than in our own country. Because sometimes we as individuals are forced into situations by others, perhaps at work or by a family or in the community, where we're asked more uh, to take actions more than we think are just. I don't know if you've ever been placed in that, particularly perhaps at work, where someone has put a burden on you at work. Or one of your members of your family put a burden on you that you think that you're uncomfortable with, that you feel is unjust. You know, we might not call it slavery, but we can be pressurised into taking actions that we feel are unfair. I don't know if you've been in that sort of situation. And it's easy when we're in that sort of situation to demand our rights. And sometimes it is appropriate, of course, to speak out. If we or others we know are being treated unfirmly. But often, as Christians, it's good if we can remain silent. 
It's a real witness if we can carry on. Peter writes this. It's commendable if a man or woman accepts the pain of unjust treatment because they are conscious of Christ's example. When the crowds hurled insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who always judges fairly. You know, sometimes when we're under pressure, when we feel that other people are asking more of us than really is fair, it's a good witness if we as Christians can say, okay, I could stand up against it, but in this instance, I'm going to honour Jesus because Jesus did not respond to pressure because he left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly but just to go back to the Israelites so they're in enforced slavery but they didn't try to get their own back what they did do is cry out to God and God heard their cry for help you'll probably know the story of how to save her Israelite baby Moses is placed in a basket of reeds by the river Nile, by his mother. And uh, the baby in the basket is found by Pharaoh's daughter, uh, and she enlists Moses' mother to look after him. It's a remarkable story of God's intervention and providence. If you don't know the story, then, then read it. How God intervened to save this child, Moses. So we get this guy who's who's going to be God's person to redeem the Israelites. But you know, like all of us, Moses is flawed. Because in later years, in fact, he makes the situation worse for the Israelites. Moses, although raised as an Egyptian, has a heart for his people, of course. And when he sees their ill treatment, he murders one of their overseers. And as a result, he has to run away to Midian, where he tends sheep in the wilderness. Now his actions were well-meaning. He thought that by taking matters into his own hands, he would improve things. But in reality... He sets back the deliverance of the Israelites by 40 years. I know under this smiling exterior you won't appreciate that I'm quite an impatient man. Deep down. Partly because I live, as we all do, in an instant society. I don't know whether you've noticed that. We want things to happen now. Is that something you've sort of come across? You know, um, when you're driving and, and the person in front of you doesn't quite go fast enough you know that sort of thing or, or, or when you click on the computer and it, it doesn't quite load up at, you know a, a million megas whatever it is uh, you, you, you know you can't wait we live in an instant society we want things to happen now waiting is not acceptable 
And I like things to be done straight away, if not soon. And consequently, when I pray for something and it does not happen, my frustration often leads me to step in. To do things my way. To take control and assist God, which often in the long term only hinders his purposes. I don't know if I'm sort of speaking to myself uh, this morning or whether that's something you can sort of relate to. You know, for Christian, patience is not a virtue. It's an absolute necessity. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, which we read about in Galatians 5. But when the Holy Spirit controls our life, he will produce this kind of fruitiness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. We need as Christians in a society in which we live that wants everything done now to be patient people. Particularly where God is concerned. Someone once said, we are into microwaving, but God is into marinating. Now, I'm not much of a cook, but I think when you marinate something, particularly meat, you put it in a a sort of sauce or something, and you leave it. And it sort of takes on the juices. But we like to be into microwaving. You know, we like to push the button, watch it go round, and have it in an instant. God does not work like that. And we need to be patient very often, particularly in prayer. When the answer doesn't seem to come. When the person you've been praying for doesn't seem to change. When the situation in your life goes on and on and on and it's hard and God does not seem to do anything. Can I assure you that God is always active. He is always doing something. He is always answering our prayers in one way or another. And sometimes because things take a little bit of time to arrange, it takes a while to get there. And while God is doing his business, his work in the background, we need to be patient. The good news is for Moses is that while he was in the wilderness, he was able to learn in the school of uh, divine discipline. And eventually we read in Exodus two twenty-three, Pharaoh died and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And he appeared to Moses in flames of fire within a bush. Thus, when the time is right, and can I say again that God's timing is always perfect. To us it always seems the 11th hour, you know, that we're sort of you know, right on the edge of whatever it is that's going to happen. And that can be a test of our faith. But God's timing is always right. And when God's timing was right, he sends Moses back to Egypt. And finally, the Israelites are released from safety, uh, from bondage rather, for savory, and they set off for Canaan. But you know, it's interesting that although the Israelites were under an enforced slavery, an outside slavery, a slavery that was put upon them. That's not the only slavery, the only form of slavery that we read about in the Bible. 
There's also a voluntary slavery, a slavery which occurs through self-surrender, an internal slavery, a slavery not forced upon us, but a slavery that comes from inside, that we accept and adopt, a slavery which is defined as this. The state or condition of submitting to some particular behaviour or dominating influence. My mother, who's uh, nearly 90, tells me the story of how when she was growing up as a child in London, in the Blitz, her father was a slave to gambling. And because he usually lost his bets, and very often his bets were connected to uh, items they had in the home, my mother and the rest of her family endured years of poverty. He could not give up his gambling. He was enslaved to it. And likewise, I had a beautiful young cousin who was married to a good, hard-working guy, had two lovely children, but for reasons best known to herself, she began drinking, and even when told by medical staff that her slavery to alcohol would kill her if she did not stop, she was unable to overcome the addiction and eventually died in her 30s of alcohol poisoning. And you know, we too can be slaves to something that has control over us and from which we need to be released. And it might be something for which we've yearned for freedom, but that freedom never seems to come and we feel powerless against the demons in our minds, in our hearts, and therefore day after day we struggle on hoping for liberation. But you know the good news this morning is that God is in the business of releasing people from slavery, not only externally, but internally. Which is why he sent Jesus. In John 8 we read these words. And Jesus said to the Jews, you are truly my disciples if you live as I tell you to. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Hallelujah, then you will know the truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. Because when we know Jesus... The truth. He will set us free. But it's interesting. The Jews to whom he was talking. Go on and say to him. But we are descendants of Abraham. And have never been slaves to any man. What do you mean set free? And Jesus replied. You are slaves to sin. Every one of you. So Jesus in one sense is that I am here, I, am, I can set you free, I am the truth. If you know me you can be released. But he's also saying to the Jews and to us, look you've got a problem. 
You need setting free because you are slaves to sin. You know, every one of us has a tendency towards sin, a tendency to do and think in a way which is in direct opposition to God's command, a tendency to give in to temptation. And it's a battle we fight every day because Satan, our great adversary, is constantly encouraging us to disobey God by sinning. But God, through Jesus, has provided a way to set us free from sin and Satan's power. In two particular ways. Firstly, when the sinless Jesus died on the cross, he took our sin upon himself and thereby gave people the opportunity to be in right relationship with God. And so we willingly obey God's commands. When you're in love with someone, you willingly do what they ask you to. Paul writes to the church in Rome, Your old evil desires were nailed to the cross with him. That part of you that loves to sin was crushed, so that your sin-loving body is no longer under sin's control, no longer needs to be a slave to sin. Jesus died for your sin and mine, and I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times, but we need to reflect on it again and again, because we are all sinners, and you and I will have sinned during this past week, and we can come to him day by day and say Lord release me from that sin but not only release me from that sin help me not to do it again which is why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help us to stand against sinning and overcome temptation so not only can we be forgiven for our sins but we can be helped to overcome that slavery Paul writes to the Galatians I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions he will tell you where to go and what to do and then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants you to you know through repentance and behavioral change we can be free from sin from being slaves to sin not that we become perfect because we'll always be capable of sinning but as we become more like Jesus in what we say and what we do and our love relationship grows with him So we are motivated to sin less. Motivated to look at those areas of weakness in our life and with God's help to say no. Motivated to remove the barriers that sin creates between us and God and thereby grow in our Christian faith. Funny, this sort of time of year, you begin to, as we sort of approach Christmas and a new year, and we're looking into 2020, 
don't know about you, but I begin to sort of look back. What sort of year has it been? What have we been doing apart from laying in hospital in Basildon uh, with Angie at my side, mopping my brow and offering me grapes and uh, things as you do with people in hospital, whether they like grapes or not, as that's what you do in, in hospital. But what, 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 what's gone on in my life? over this past year what sort of year has it been and sometimes it's worth just taking that uh, sort of reflection a little bit further and saying where was I as a Christian this time last year and where am I now have I grown as a Christian is my walk with Jesus any deeper? Do I love him that little bit more? Are those sins that I was a slave to at the end of 2019 still the same sins that I'm enslaved to at the end of 2019? I've known God's forgiveness, yeah, 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 as a Christian I know I can be forgiven for my sin, but I just haven't seemed to be able to get on top of that which was a problem to me in my Christian life a year ago. Have I grown in God? Is there a habit, an attitude? that you've been struggling with for months, perhaps years that you know before God is wrong but you just can't seem to let it go and so it enslaves you so that sin holds you back so that emotional oppression or whatever it is ties you down and you just can't seem to move on we need to be praying not only for God's forgiveness to release us from that enslavery of sin but also for the Holy Spirit's power in our lives so that we can be fully released from it So we can say, yeah, last year I was like this. I had that fear, I I had that doubt, I had that anxiety. I was doing this. But now, through the Holy Spirit's power, I've been set free. And that issue is not a problem to me anymore. So what might we be slaves to? I was reading, uh, again, Paul in Galatians 5. He's got a a, a nice few verses in 19 and 20 there. And and he goes through a list of things that we might be slaves to. And I've sort of slipped in one or two other things. I just thought I'd update it a little bit. So it's not quite as it is in your Bible. But Paul says this. But when you follow your own wrong inclinations, your lives will produce these evil results. Impure thoughts. Lust idolatry, astrology, reading your horoscope, not forgiving those who have hurt you, jealousy, 
anger, consumerism, complaining about everything and criticising others, the feeling that everyone else is wrong except you, spending too much time on your mobile phone, Facebook or social media. I wonder where you are this morning on that list. There might be other things on your own list that you need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. Those things which have more influence over you than God does. Because that's what slavery is all about. It's something that gets in the way between you and God. If you are spending more time on Facebook than you are in prayer, you won't grow as a Christian. If you are spending more time on your mobile phone talking to other people, there's nothing wrong with that. But you're spending less time talking to God. That's a problem. You know, ultimately we can hang on to our bondage. Sometimes we're so enslaved to something that we almost grow comfortable with it. And to give that thing up would create so much of a problem that we'd rather stick with it. And we can relive past mistakes. We can live with the past. We can walk in self-condemnation by harbouring resentments or bitterness. We can feel defeated or guilty and despair over past sins. We can be reluctant to ask Jesus for forgiveness and thereby know his release from that which binds us. We do have a choice this morning. God is not forcing our arm up our back. But he is saying to us, I want to release you from anything that binds you, anything that holds you back, anything that prevents your relationship with me from growing and developing. And that release can happen right here right now we can begin that process of release from that which enslaves us either externally or internally Moses who you're going to be hearing a lot more about in the weeks to come was able to deliver the Israelites from their oppressor and Jesus is able to release us from that which oppresses or controls our 
lives. And God says to us this morning, you don't need to carry that bondage any longer. Because I can do it right now. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God from whom no secrets are hid. Father, that you look deep into our lives and you know us better than we know ourselves. And Father, you know whether we've grown in you or not over these past months, past years, Father. Thank you that you're a God who wants us to go deeper with you, to mature in the Christian faith. Hallelujah. But we know that to grow and mature and develop as Christians... We need to leave the past behind, particularly those past sins which have enslaved us. So Father, I pray this morning for each one of us, including myself, Lord, that you will reveal to us that in our lives which causes a problem between us and you. So that we can begin that process of healing and restoration in Jesus' name. Amen.